Hi, I'm Trent Custers, co-founder and studio director at League of Geeks, and this is The Game Maker's Notebook. Today, I've just had a fantastic conversation with Ren Breyer and Tim Dawson of Witchbeam Games, and they've actually just released Unpacking to astounding success. We spoke about a range of things, including how they got into games, of course, and found themselves making Unpacking. We spoke about the systems design and the incredible narrative design, how they balanced a strong sense of player expression with the incredible sense of character that the game has. And then, of course, just about the general development of the game, some pitfalls, milestones, and ended up with some great tips on how to work with your partner. All in all, it was just a fantastic podcast. I'm really excited for you to hear the things that we spoke about. And so please do enjoy. Welcome to The Game Maker's Notebook, a podcast featuring a series of in-depth one-on-one conversations between game makers providing a thoughtful, intimate perspective on the business and craft of interactive entertainment. The Game Maker's Notebook is presented by the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, a member-driven organization dedicated to the recognition and advancement of interactive entertainment. Hello and welcome to the AIAS Game Maker's Notebook podcast. We're here at GDC 2022. We're back here in person live. We're actually in the Moscone Center in one of their big vacuous rooms here. And I have the distinct privilege of being here with Ren and Tim of Witchbeam Games, who have just recently released to astounding success, which we're going to talk about today here on the podcast, Unpacking. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Of course, of course. So we're actually just going to dive straight into it as we do here at the AIAS Game Makers Notebook podcast by talking a little bit about how you both got into games. So and you have quite an interesting tale as well, the both of you, actually all of the, thank you, all of the, um, all of the Witchbane team. So why don't we start with you, Ren? How did you get into games? How did you find yourself here? Ah, well, I uh, studied games at university. Well, actually, I studied animation at university. Uh, but it was kind of at a games uh, school, it was Quantum SAE in uh, Brisbane, in, in Australia. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I forget that we're like not just in, Austra- in Australia, yeah, like, but yeah, fall here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I graduated uh, with really poor timing right after the global financial crisis and couldn't find work for a pretty long time, yeah, like nice. not nothing solid. Uh, several years so I got another degree um, also in animation masters then I finally found work at half brick um, as a junior animator and I did this because I was really dumb and didn't know how to network or anything I actually got this job through uh, a seek job ad <laughs> right nice which is a yeah the job advertisement platform in australia yes. uh, and half brick is of jetpack joyride fruit ninja fame as well a storage yes. studio in queensland brisbane yeah so um i had tried applying there before but not ever when while they were actually hiring artists um <laughs> and that time they were actually hiring so i got interviewed and uh, got the job yeah got the job so i worked there for um three years. Mm-hmm. And you were on Jetpack Joyride as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I was on both the Jetpack and uh, the Fruit Ninja teams, uh, although the Fruit Ninja one was very brief. I, I started on that team mm-hmm. and then got like trained up in pixel art along with another artist. And I really took to it. And I really liked it. And I was like, hey, can I just like move to the Jetpack team and just do that? And you don't have to share the two artists with, between the two teams. And they were like, yeah, sure. 
So awesome. yeah, I got to learn from like the original artist of Jetpack and replaced him on the team. Like you usurped him or like no? Oh no, he, he left. <laughs> he was uh, he was there just to train us up yeah, so great. that we could replace him. Fantastic. And so he ended up training me up and I ended up replacing him. And, and so were you, because Jetpack Joyride is a beautiful pixel art game, right? Congratulations. It looks fantastic. Um, were you already quite versed in pixel art beforehand? Was it an interest of yours or was it under the tutelage of this artist that you sort of picked it up on the project? Mostly under the tutelage of this artist. Oh, wow. I did a little bit of pixel art before that, like here and there. I actually did a little, uh, uh, I ran a little pixel art workshop, like a one day workshop at a local like uh, community center thing. Mm -hmm. Um but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't very good. I only did a tiny bit of pixel art. I was just an artist. Yeah. Um, and yeah, on that project, I, I really picked it up. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Mm. Um, and I got to touch every bit of the project, like from uh, doing costumes for the character Barry <laughs> and, uh, to making new backgrounds. I got to work on like they, they did a crossover with like a. Uh, they did a special event with like Back to the Future mm -hmm. with uh, Universal Studios. So I got to design, uh, well, actually not design, um, the concept artist designed the, the backgrounds, but I got to make them in pixel art, uh, make all the backgrounds of like, um, what's it called? Uh, uh, Twin Pines. Yeah, the, right. yeah. <laughs> the city, yeah. Fantastic. And I got to uh, make the DeLorean and make the hoverboard. That was, that was really Talk fun. Talk about a career highlight. That's awesome. <laughs> they didn't send you back in time as well. They went like pick your time period, you know, those universal perks. No? Unfortunately not. They gave us, <laughs> us t-shirts. All right. There you go. Just, that's, which is just as good, let's be honest. Yeah. All right. Great. So you're at Heartbreak and then how, how did you find yourself? Where did you find yourself next? So next, I kind of decided to strike out on my own. Um, mm. And here are just like some weird muddled years where <laughs> I... <laughs> Which often happens when you decide <laughs> to strike it out on your own, right? They don't tell you that. Yeah. yeah. So I just, uh, I, I worked at like a few, a, a series of, you know, small companies or like various like people just starting out on like an, an indie team or something. Mm -hmm. And I just worked as a, as an artist on, on various little teams mm -hmm. Uh I, what, what was the order of things? Yeah, like I, I briefly, or, or, you know, also on bigger teams. So like I, mm -hmm. I worked at this tiny company called Smithsoft and worked on a game called Pandora's Books, which didn't properly come out, I think. Um, <laughs> you cannot find it anywhere anymore. Yep. It happens it was, in video games, good. right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was not good. Um, after that, I worked at uh, Playside for a few months okay. uh, doing art. Uh, on like a Kubo game, mm -hmm. <laughs> a mobile game. And from there, I, oh yeah, then I worked at, at Well Placed Cactus, which is not yeah. to be confused with Assault Android Cactus, which is Tim's <laughs> which game. Which is your first game, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they were, they were a lovely company and I did like, uh, I, was, I was like a, an artist there, uh, but I kind of branched out into other things like influenced kind of the, the design of the game we were mm -hmm. working on. And I Ended up uh, also learning production and uh, producing uh, one of their uh, white label projects. But also um, I, I actually filled in for a producer who had gone on a honeymoon for a month. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was like, I, I was like, hey, I'm interested in production. Can I can mm -hmm. I maybe do production? Because I heard you were looking for someone and I was, I'm already on the team doing art. And they were like, sure. And <laughs> gave me three projects uh, yeah, to, to babysit for a month. And 
I, I grew my first gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> that will also happen. So, and I imagine those skills would have come in handy later on, right? Yes, definitely. But I ended up, um, yeah, losing that job after nine months. It was originally supposed to be just like a short contract, yeah. which then got extended, oh, which then turned into a permanent position, which turned out to not be very permanent at all yeah, okay. because the company got bought by Deloitte oh, and right. they yes, no longer needed, that. yeah, they no longer needed an artist. So, okay. uh, yeah, like, oh, but they were very nice. They were always really nice. Um, they yeah, they were too. great folks. Yeah. And so I imagine not long after that, you sort of stumbled upon this idea for this strange game, which we'll get into further along but was am I right in that timeline? Yeah. yeah so then I was like you know what it's like December and <laughs> I am I'm tired yeah. I have worked all these years mm -hmm. and I haven't had a break in a long mm -hmm. time I'm just gonna take four months off um sounds and then, smart like how many months later uh two months mm -hmm. uh, two or three months later we we were already working on unpacking there you go isn't it funny <laughs> how sometimes you just you're moving so fast and trying to do all these things and then you take a moment to pause and then it's like oh here we go i've just come up with a concept for an igf nominated successful <laughs> independent video game um all right great well thanks ren so tim now similar like in the sense of being in studios but very different studios than a heartbreaker you know, a mobile studio, right? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in Adelaide, and at the time, the only games company in town was mm -hmm. uh, Ratbag. Right, and Adelaide is in, for those of you uh, who so aren't Australian, Adelaide yep. is in South, South Australia, Australia yep. or in Australia, yep, capital city there. Yeah, so there, so there was this one games company in town, and it was like, uh, and I kind of knew from high school that I was like, I want to work in games. Um, and at the time, uh, game degrees weren't really a thing, so uh, so I went and studied uh, visual arts at uh, University of South Australia. Mm -hmm. um, except it was pretty traditional, mm -hmm. and so I was there, kind of uh, you know learning oil paints and and mixed media and art history and stuff like that. And I was starting to like freak out that like oh no I'm 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 wasting away. <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not doing anything technical anymore. Yeah. Like this is terrible. And so I actually after a year, I uh, like I abandoned the abandoned my degree and got a computer and started a computer science degree like <laughs> hard pivot i love yeah, it yeah 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 i, I kind of did the pivot, pivot off and was like yeah so i went to computer science degree <laughs> at university of adelaide and and did that for a year and after a year of that i was like stressing out so hard i was like mm -hmm. ah i'm going to abandon this degree as well so i've got two failed degrees as my basis for <laughs> one in one in visual arts and one in computer science yeah. which kind of nicely indicates the, yeah, the that's weird like the, that's this, the talent spectrum towards the tech artist specialization yeah there's a bit of there's a bit of predictiveness to that um and so then i i, I started doing uh, i worked as a doing web design and uh mm -hmm. and like being a kind of generalist artist at this uh, small software company yeah um and i studied uh, studied 3d mm -hmm. i was going to be a character modeler i figured mm -hmm. it out i'm, I'm yeah, going to i'm going to make character character models so I put together my portfolio. I pitched it, like sent it into to Ratbag, which yep. is you know dream dream thing. And they said we're trying to hire a junior cinematic artist. I'm like, that's me. I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, animating, that's that's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me add some of that to my portfolio. Yeah. Away we go, kind of thing. Um, and I joined Ratbag in time to help them ship uh, Dukes of Hazard: Return of the General Lee. Nice. Um, Proudly made in South Australia. <laughs> yeah. for That's like me. One of my <laughs> first games was Monster Jam Urban Assault. Also proudly made in Australia. Yeah, um, which ended up not to foreshadow things being Ratbag's final title. Um, mm. yeah. <laughs> which is weird because it was a fairly small part of my time at Ratbag. 
Um, I went on to work on other projects mm -hmm. and um, got quickly into character animation, uh, like uh, gameplay animation, mm -hmm. and realized that I really enjoyed working with the um, the, the gameplay programmers yep. and kind of the design of it, actually, which, again, we're foreshadowing where this is going. It's <laughs> like animating cutscenes is pretty good, but animating characters that do stuff in the gameplay, that's, that's yeah, really this, good. This is, I'm, I'm good at this, yeah. So, um, And so then you wound up at Sega Australia, right? Eventually. Yeah, so, eventually. So next, Ratbag went under. We mm -hmm. were acquired by Midway and uh, and then axed as the fine tradition of Australian companies yep. being acquired. Purchased by, by American ones and then closed down. Yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, this is also foreshadowing. Uh, no, so uh, And so I moved to Sydney to mm -hmm. work at uh, Team Bondi on LA uh, Noir. Yes. Um, and yeah, so I was animating like uh, dialogue animations and all the... the uh, I was working out the whole system for like body language tells, yeah, things right. Where he's like got to rub his ear when he's telling a lie. Which is one of the one of the most amazing things about that game. That's sort of like, like they sort of nailed, you know, and how how you actually play that game is looking at those those tells and everything. Yeah, it was it was such a weird project to be involved in because it's like there was nothing else like it. Like, mm. And it was it, a big production in Australia at the yeah, time. I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see out the production. I left after a year and a bit, I think. Mm -hmm. yep. And I moved up to Queensland, mm -hmm. where I got a job at Pandemic, mm -hmm. um, again animating, um, working on a, a an unannounced project. And um, yeah, so that and that was really good. Pandemic was a really nice studio. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, uh, they got acquired by EA. And then, and then what happened? And then, weirdly enough, <laughs> Pandemic stopped being a studio that existed. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I briefly. Briefly joined um, at this point, so I, I briefly joined uh, Tantalus, which mm -hmm. is a Melbourne company, yep. and they were opening up a Brisbane like micro studio. It's like six people uh, above a shopping center uh, in a little incubator space. It was really cozy. <laughs> I like I knew a few of the guys who worked together at Pandemic and stuff. They're always the offices that you look at, like the this um, the periods in a studio that you look back on the fondest. It's like we actually worked out of a closet for yeah. twelve months, and that was my best time in game dev. Yeah, and yeah. and but the best thing was at this point I I was kind of a I forget if I was like either kind of mid or senior animator at this mm. point. But um, what they needed was they were just trying to hire a QA person, and mm. I'm like, I can do I that. can do QA. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the interesting thing is, I joined that project, and they were doing Cars Racerama for the DS and PSP. <laughs> Sure. And they were like, oh, no. Pixar's Cars? Yeah, yeah, Pixar's Cars. Yeah, it's yeah. a Disney project. It's like, oh, no, this game with animated characters, we don't have an animator. Um, and it's like, I was like. I can do that. Yeah, yeah. So so they, so for a period, they just, they, like, I had periods where they paid me as an animator versus QA. So, like. Love it. To, to animate all these, uh, yeah, a bunch of the, the win animations mm -hmm. for the DS version of. Cars Racerama, which is the third Cars game based on the first Cars movie, just to keep <laughs> well, things Well, you know, when, they, when <laughs> yeah. it makes that much money. Yeah. Not to be confused with the third, third Cars movie, totally different, <laughs> different thing. Um, so that, then you wound up at Sega, I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we actually shipped two games there in that yeah. short time before that studio went up. And went also up. Jeff and Sanatna from Witchbeam, you worked with them at Sega Australia, yeah. correct? And saying too, yeah. Yeah, so Jeff, I think Jeff was kind of heading on the on the way out because yep. I joined Sega when they were working on uh, London 2012, mm -hmm. the official Olympics game, mm -hmm. the one without Sonic in it. Um, <laughs> Big mistake, clearly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, we, we, see, so no, it was very important. Our game had to exist so contractually so that the... The one, uh, the one with Mario and Sonic could exist. You but, walked so Mario and Sonic could run. Yeah, 
and, and butt bash. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, run very fast. Run yeah, very yeah. fast. Yeah, got to yeah. go fast. Yeah. yeah, and so Sonic could challenge Robotnik in a foot race and we could <laughs> agonize over the results. It's important work, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I animated the ducks on one of the um, the levels. Isn't funny. it funny? All yeah. these you animate the ducks, and then again, IGF nominated unpacking. <laughs> no, I, I had to fight to animate the ducks because they were keyframed, right? So a lot of the stuff was mocap, and it was yeah, that was fun. And was <laughs> so cool. all the animators are fighting over the ducks yeah. because they're the one keyframe thing. Well, I just I, I just was like, I, w I really want to do the ducks, and they're like, really? We're just <laughs> we're just gonna like we're just gonna get one of like the juniors to do that. I want to do the ducks. Let me animate the ducks. <laughs> And so if you look extremely closely, I think at the start of the rowing event, you can see these ducks get startled by the athletes and they fly off the river. And it's like, yes. <laughs> well, there, you heard it here first, folks. What did you say? Right at the start of the rowing event. Yeah, there yeah. It's like beautiful the, duck animation. It's an opening cut scene with the cameras like 5,000 miles away from the event. So you, you, yeah. we all have these small victories in our career. Yeah. It's really important. All right. So, and then... Um, let's talk a little bit now about Witchbeam before unpacking. We'll spend a little bit of time on this because you actually released a game before unpacking called Assault Android Cactus, um, which interestingly is the almost like the complete opposite type of experience and game from unpacking. But I'm sure that there are some some links between them a little bit too. So how tell me a little bit about Assault Android Cactus and your and your time there. Yeah, so Assault Android Cactus was like just kind of my kind of love letter to twin stick, frantic bullet hell shooters and stuff like that. And I'd worked on the prototype and I showed I showed uh, Sonaden the the prototype and he was he get, he gave me some invaluable design advice, uh, <laughs> kind of off the cuff that skewered skewered my entire mm -hmm. being. I think I think the. I'm going to say this because he hates me saying it. Um, good. I think he, he looked at the game and he was playing it and stuff like that. And he was like, mm, this is going to be really good once you figure out what the game actually is. <laughs> and he just said that like in an innocent way. But yeah. it was just like it destroyed me and I had to rebuild myself stronger. <laughs> and I was like, that's the guy I want to start a studio with. Cause, that's exactly right. Yeah, the says, person who tells you the things that you don't want to hear but you need to hear. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so like, uh, so Nat was like invaluable for like, kind of guiding the like he has this amazing design sense mm -hmm. like for like instinct for what works and what doesn't mm -hmm. and, and how to correct things and i had this kind of flair for just making things explode and i was doing the programming and, yep. and the art and all the all the things yeah, a lot we, of things explode in that game and yeah, they look, yeah. it looks very good when they do explode as well yeah and like a lot of a lot of stuff from my animation time right like mm. there's it's like because good gameplay is good timing and so yep. like a lot of that is animation uh, then we roped in Jeff. Like we actually, we we actually hit up hit up Jeff for advice on like how do we hire a musician? Is that how you hire everyone? Just ask them for advice. And uh, yeah. weirdly <laughs> enough, yeah, this is foreshadowing for for some stuff on unpacking later. Yeah. But um, Ren asked you for advice, and then you found yourself <laughs> working together as well. well <laughs> no, no, actually, wait, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, Ren, sort of, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we, we'll get there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, so we we so we hit up Jeff and, and to ask about like. When we're hire when we're trying to hire a musician, like what should we be looking out for? Like how do we do this and mm -hmm. stuff like that? And we're and we're showing we're showing Jeff the project and we're telling him telling him what we and, and Jeff's all like, could could I do it? And we're like, we absolutely can't afford you. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we, you, but cheaper is what we're Yeah, yeah. We we look, we know we we know we know you. We know we know your work. We can't <laughs> afford that. And so instead we founded a company with him, like so he's the third right. third founder of uh, Witchbeam. Um, which is great. So we're like we we the three of us basically yeah mm -hmm. put together this really kind of high octane crazy bullet hell. Yeah, the exact words I would use <laughs> high octane. It's li it was literally in my head. Yeah. yeah, and it's like 
it's funny, we made a game where you can't slow down, like literally the mechanic is there's a battery that's draining and if you ever stop mm -hmm. playing the game, you run out of battery and die. Mm -hmm. So it's, which was great because it's great for like being hyperkinetic and exciting, but it's also like, it's exhausting. The level starts and it's like, keep playing. You, yeah. you want to rest? Rest mm -hmm. later, you know, it's, it's that kind of game. Um, high school tree, like, sorry, high school um, Very much a game, right? Like in the yeah, traditional yeah. sense. Also, so when did you ship? <laughs> so we started so I think I think we <laughs> multiple times so PC we went out we left early access so we entered early access I think towards the end of 2013 mm -hmm. which is weird for the kind of game we were making yep. it wasn't a good game, a good fit for early access but we kind of made it work kind of basically yeah uh, and then we we left early access in 2015 mm -hmm. right, right at the end of yep. 2015 and then um, came out on PS4 around 2016 mm -hmm. Um, and then Xbox in 2017 or 18 or yeah. something like 17. that. Yeah, yeah okay. Okay. and then and then Switch a couple of years later. So 2018, no, 2019. There you go. Yes. So, Ren, tell me, unpacking. Like I'm sure you've told the story a, a million <laughs> times before, but for those who haven't heard it, like it, the idea literally came about whilst unpacking, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Tim and I got together. I'm, I'm going to say between. The, uh, what was it, between PS4 and Xbox releases of, right. <laughs> of Cactus. You mean, as a, we're going to out you as a couple here as well, right? So yes. you got together as a couple. As a I couple, love that yes. your, your, um, your relationship, like milestones are marked in between platform releases as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, this is why I, I know like Cactus's uh, release dates very well, <laughs> possibly better than Tim because I'm just like, okay, I know I met him after the PS4 release. <laughs> Before so. the Xbox. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, and I know so, that when, when they did the Xbox release uh, on that day, Tim had to come with me to hospital. <laughs> Sorry, Tim, like literally launch night. Yeah, that's a prioritization yeah. test if there's ever been one. Yeah, I forgot yeah. to tell Nart what was going on. I was just, I, I literally just ducked out the door and yeah, said- Yeah, don't tell your co-founders. Yeah, no, I was just like, gotta go, uh, Ren's in hospital, gotta go meet her and just left, walked out the door while, while Nart was submitting submission for Xbox. Yeah. And he's just like, is she okay? What, what happened? And it's, I don't. I, I had no idea what the date was. I didn't realize it was. <laughs> yeah, how that dare was you? Actually, it's so rude. <laughs> so you, you, um, so un unpacking. You have this idea. You, you are a couple at this point in time when it comes yep. to you. So uh, it happened as Tim was moving in with me. Mm -hmm. uh, we were unpacking his stuff at my at my apartment, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to think what's the best way to tell this. I've told this so many times uh, and suddenly it's, it's like gone. Yeah. Um, we were unpacking his stuff and uh, I was like thinking, actually, this is this feels kind of game like. And mm. this this thought only came to me because Tim is the one who's always coming up with game ideas and telling me game ideas like several a day. Game ideas, story ideas. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he's also, he is very encouraging. And so he doesn't just like, oh, hey, I have all these ideas. He's like, do you have any ideas? Like, what do you think of this? Or, or do you have any or concepts? Or that's a great one. Or, yeah. Or, or, or like, have you, have you ever thought of an idea for, for this sort of mm -hmm. thing? And so he's like encouraging me to just kind of think about it in my day-to-day -day life. And so I was like, oh, there's, there's something kind of game-like about unpacking things. You take things out of one box uh, and empty it to unlock the box underneath, like mm -hmm. unlocking. Okay, that's game-like. You complete sets of items between the boxes. It's like collect a collection. Mm -hmm. um, you've got environmental storytelling because you can learn a lot about a person from the mm -hmm. items that they own. 
And in general, games are very much about uh, creating order out of chaos. Yep. Uh, and in this case, very literally. And of course... <laughs> Un unpacking is a very chaotic thing. I remember <laughs> one of my favorite moments in unpacking was when in the first level I'm going through things, I'm unpacking, I'm putting the shoes away and I pull one shoe out and I put it away and then the box finishes and the other shoe is not there. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no. Yeah, you know, we literally talked about this in <laughs> our talk, yeah, like, this really, example. They may, yeah. ba may be based on my actual packing uh, <laughs> strategies. I was like, oh, so it's a realistic simulation game. Okay, yes. right. <laughs> and then, of course, on top of all of that, there's the item Tetris aspect. Yeah. So it's like you've got, I love this because item Tetris is like, you take this concept from a game of Tetris and fitting things together mm -hmm. and you go, I am item Tetrising things in my closet. And then you go, let's take this back into a video game. And it's like... <laughs> Yeah, art so, imitates life, imitates art, imitates and, and so life. It, it is there, right? Like the 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 idea and the concept is there. It's a, it's very apparent. So then let's talk about from that point to I would say in hearing about your journey and like reading up on it from what I've understand what I understand, the next sort of significant point seems to be like you had a prototype that looks very similar to the final game. Was that like a was that a big moment? Mm. So so ba so so the thing about the idea was what what kicked it off. I think was Stugan was opening applications. Oh, that was before the prototype. Stugan was the uh, thing that gave us the deadline for the prototype. <laughs> yeah, yeah. got to love an external yeah. deadline. Basically, like a week after we came up with the initial, with the initial idea, we had the mm -hmm. idea to have a story. And then shortly after that, um, Stugan opened its applications. And Stugan is a games accelerator program in Sweden. Um, it runs over the summer holidays, right? Yeah, yeah uh, summer holidays uh, in Sweden, yeah. in Australia. Not our summer. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pitched as go, go to Sweden and go in, into a cabin in the woods for two, week, uh, two months and work on your game. Yeah. And it's not a murder thing. <laughs> yes. Um, you work yeah, it's not girl with a dragon tattoo. It's like actually, actually making some games. It's, yes. it's such a, for those of you who are uh, watching or listening, it's an incredible program. It's actually worth taking a look at. And also there's a lot of fantastically successful and interesting games that have come out of it too. So Yeah, I mean, even just in our year, like uh, uh, Adam uh, Robinson Yu, uh, he was in our year and then shortly afterwards released A Short Hike. Yeah, there you go. Um, and we Won the Seamus McNally, I believe, didn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes it did. In 2020. So we came there and, and our initial idea was like, we're going to uh, make half of the levels that we had planned up to like a, a kind of alpha stage. And <laughs> bash through half the game. Yeah, yeah it's, bash it's through like half a classic the game. game dev fairy tale. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. It's going it's to it's be great. <laughs> and then, you know, by the end of it, we had one room. One room. But uh, we ended up, instead of going wide, we went deep. Yeah. And got this Good one call. room to like being just totally finished other than the audio and we were actually able to show that to um to potential publishers and people could play it it was a full uh level well level ish <laughs> that that <laughs> people could could play yeah a full room that people could play from start to finish and get like the whole game loop yeah and i understand think it was, the experience right yeah and i think mm. it was the right call and like we picked uh specifically like a kitchen for this because kitchens have a lot of items but they're kind of impersonal uh relatively we were like we don't want to test the story aspect yet we just want to test the mechanics see that the game feels good to play um so kitchen let us come up with literally like 70 items uh we made made all of them made the box mechanics and all that and yeah at the end of stugan had this nice little, little thing prototype. to show 
the beautiful thing about a kitchen as well for your first experience is that everyone has extreme opinions about where things should be in the kitchen. Oh, yes. I remember um, I dated someone once and they kept their cutlery in the cupboard and that was the first major red flag for me. I was like, um, <laughs> interesting. Who does that? <laughs> so um, I didn't test it in unpacking, but I would hope that at the end of a level, if the cutlery was in the cupboard, that it would flash red and white. That is actually not allowed. <laughs> yeah, it isn't allowed, right? Okay. Like, I'm not even joking. We, we've <laughs> made, we've loosened the rules a lot over time, yeah. uh, but that but is... That one still, is, that's still in there. Yeah, good. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're, you're doing really important work. Validating you. Yeah. So, and, and so now I'm really keen to actually hear about some of these things that ended up being quite fundamental to how the game comes together. So something that interested me when playing Unpacking was that red and white flashing of, as a player, I have all of this expression space and where I can express myself in regards to whether I want to put my cutlery in the cupboard or whatever it might be, or my books on the floor, which actually I think you're incorrect. I think books can go on the floor, but we'll save that for another time. Um, Those are crimes. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Unpacking crimes. Unpacking um, crimes. So like... How did you, was it during the prototype that you came up with some of these core mechanics or how deep into the process did some of these sort of things fit their way into the game? So we knew we wanted uh, validation, like the, the red lines from kind of early on. Mm -hmm. It took us a while to implement, which was funny because we had this game where you just unpacked, there was no, there was no kind of judgment or any of that. And then, <laughs> um, we, then we added the system. It's like, good news, everyone. We added it, we finally added this like, crucial mechanic and I think the first first person to play it was Philip from uh, from Stugan it was one of the other Stuganeers and uh, it made him angry <laughs> yeah it made him so angry and we're like oh no we're like, we've added this like I've yeah, added this so much feature. for our zen game yeah I've added this feature at this like you know had to program all this stuff in I'm doing all this like you know stuff to do generate the red outline it's quite technically tricky mm -hmm. but, but we've got it in and we've got it working and it's like I hate this game now. It's like, oh no, what do we do? Like, yeah, I was like, oh no, Tim, we ruined the game. Maybe we need to take this out. And Tim was like, no, 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 listen, I, I don't think we're wrong about this feature. I think maybe we just like are being too aggressive with it. Let's tone it back. And I'm like, okay, let's try that. And it, and it helps because like, you know, in the beginning when we were doing this, we were going, well, well does, where does this item go? And mm -hmm. it's like, it's where I put it, right? It's where I like to put this. Mm -hmm. That place makes sense. And so you had to kind of, inst instead of thinking, where would, where would you put this? Mm. You think, where would Ren put this? And that's mm. not what we want our players to do. Yeah, right. They don't yeah. know me. Um, they don't need to guess what I think is the right place. So I was like, okay, what's a valid place for a cup? Well, it can be here, 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 or here, all these places. So we, we loosened yeah. it up a lot and people liked yeah. it yeah. more and, and more. We started kind of, and we started thinking of it as, like, the other thing is in the kitchen level, like, at one point we had a so that basically the only way to finish the level was to shove everything in pretty much perfectly so you didn't leave any empty grids kind of mm -hmm. thing like you had to lock the like all the the pots and stuff yeah it's not like you you weren't allowed to to leave uh, empty grids it's just like it wouldn't fit otherwise yeah, you had you, to be really careful you had to really optimize yeah, yeah it was hard and we're like mm -hmm. that's the puzzle and and then people hated that right? and like, <laughs> we're like maybe it was just too hard yeah, maybe like mm. maybe that's not the puzzle. Maybe maybe this is not a maybe this is not a game about efficiently packing grids. Maybe this is a game about having a decision that the plates go up here because that's where they should go, mm. and that's what people were reacting to. So I like, I wouldn't say they hated it. It was more just like they had trouble finishing yeah, the it was level. A struggle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're like, oh, it felt it felt like a point of friction for them. Yeah, like yeah. not and not good friction. And solving it didn't feel fun. It felt like frustrating okay i guess i'll fit everything in it's like mm. it you know how like a good puzzle game if you complete a a, a tricky challenge you like you feel good you feel mm -hmm. aha like mm -hmm. it clicked instead this didn't feel like that it just felt like 
well, I guess I put the plates and the pots in a way that fits now. And, and the problem was also that it, it took away from players' ability to express themselves and put things where they like to keep them. Mm. So it's like if, if things had to fit really tight, it meant there weren't as many different solutions that they could do. Mm. And when it's something as personal as like uh, organizing a kitchen or, you know, organizing a house in general, it's like people have, because they're so familiar with this, they have so many opinions and mm. thoughts of where things should go. Um, and if it's not arranged how they like, mm -hmm. because they're forced to find a solution that where everything can fit, it just, yeah, it's not fun anymore. They don't get to have the self-expression part, which we realized was very important to our mm -hmm. game and we wanted to lean into that more. So we added more spaces where people mm -hmm. could leave things like tops of cupboards and um, like on the stove tops and things like that. And I think we, we reduced, maybe we cut out like a couple items or so and made it a little easier. Made, made some items like we had like a really, really big pan and we made it a little smaller, <laughs> things like that. Yeah, it was all nudging stuff. But yeah. we, we, we had this realization that like the rules that people come up with in their head are more important than our rules. Yes, um, mm -hmm. right. So something that really interested me while I was playing Unpacking and I was thinking about the two of you and the process of this and how iterative it must have been is this balance between the player's expression and projection of themselves into the story. But then also the game actually has, like the narrative really is above and beyond anything else, just a strong sense of character um, as opposed to like a classic form of story, so to speak, where there's writing everywhere and, you know, law bombs and all this sort of stuff. And one of the most interesting things, we were just talking about the, you know, the red and white flashing validation lines. For me, one of the most interesting points of the story, and funnily enough, I watched a bit of a long playthrough to see how other people went. And there was 10 minutes where this person couldn't place their, their uh, certificate for their degree or their qualification around the house. And it's just 10 minutes of them dragging it through every room. And that moment when they realize maybe the only place that it can go is under the bed, which funnily enough, when I'd played it before them, is where I put it too is incredibly powerful. And so that type of narrative, which I think personally, um, for a little bit of flattery here for a second, I think is the greatest achievement of the game is the narrative. And it's how systemically and mechanically, it just tells a story seemingly so effortlessly. But of course, we all know behind the scenes, no doubt a lot of effort went into that. So where did you, tell us a little bit about that experience of finding the balance between not just the player expression from a mechanical point of view, but balancing it with this, what has turned out to be an incredibly strong and affecting narrative for people. So honestly, that was part of, we talked before about like, oh, should we take the validation system out? And I, I was like, no, no, we can save it. We can salvage it. Like mm. we can just bring it back a bit. The reason why I was so intent on salvaging it is because I had like, that's what I was playing for is that I reckoned we could use it in a few places. Like as long as it existed, as long as the player knows it's there, it's like those those really good moments where you reuse something. It's Chekhov's gun, right? Like, mm, yeah, it's meant to be. Everything is the sum of its parts. It's meant yeah. to be there. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're used to the red line when you leave something on the floor or you put mm -hmm. the uh, you know toothbrush on the toilet, but suddenly it's it hits you like you can't leave this item in the well. In this case, there's just like no wall space and stuff. Yeah. But like knowing that knowing that we like for the most part you can solve this stuff when you can't and you have to think about what that means, it can hit you, right? Mm. We, we, we've got that uh, space to to ramp things up and turn something that was actually fairly innocuous mm -hmm. into something that suddenly feels sharp. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just in regards to, because it, it is quite interesting, and not just from that mechanical perspective, but those moments where you, can you remember, Ren, where 
you had to sort of reach in and either you've spoken about opening up the player expression space so people can, you know, put the things where they think that they want to put them. Um, but can you remember moments where you actually had to reach in and say, hey, these things should go here from a character perspective or particular layouts or things like that? Mm, How I did mean, you achieve those character moments? So it's kind of like Tim was saying that we wanted it to be like a general system that that most of the time just makes sense to players like mm -hmm. oh yeah i understand why i can't put this here but then sometimes certain things only have to go in in specific places mm -hmm. and i honestly like i can't remember who came up with the diploma moment like all of this oh, sorry not the diploma moment the um the diary moment which is our first uh moment where someone uh can't put something somewhere yeah. um like they have to put the diary somewhere private um but it was this idea that the character wouldn't want it uh, just lying about. Uh, they'd want it hidden away. And it was supposed to go in the drawer. And we even had this whole idea of like the boxes hide the drawer before um, you empty them. You have to empty one box uh, that was the one that contained the diary. Mm -hmm. So you definitely don't and can't, don't put it in the drawer until like later. So you put it aside somewhere and it's definitely the wrong spot. Yeah. Um, and then once you move the box, you might notice the drawer and might think, oh, maybe I can put the diary there. Most likely you wouldn't immediately think that. Yeah. And once all the boxes are emptied, the validation system kicks in and the diary shows you the validation system. And that's the first time you encounter it. And that's how we guaranteed that players would encounter it mm. um, really early on. Clever. <laughs> <laughs> but we ended up straying from that a bit. It became less of a definite thing yeah. um, because... Players kept wanting to put the diary under the pillow. And we were like, well, you can't lift the pillow. And then we were like, wait, why not? Maybe you should be able to lift the pillow. And why is there only one spot for the diary? They're like, that's also a valid space. So we could have two spaces. And it kind of struck us that we always wanted to have at least two places where, where anything can go. And so that's great. I'm pretty sure that that is the case for every item in unpacking. I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we strove for that. And so... Uh, yeah, we made all the pillows liftable. First, just the one in the in the <laughs> kids' bedroom, but then we had to make all the others lift to yeah. match because it doesn't make sense of that course. we introduce a mechanic and then don't have it in the rest of the game. Me mechanically, the pillow is a door that makes a <laughs> makes a a different sound. It's very yeah. very philosophical. When we first <laughs> no, when we first implemented it, when Tim first implemented the the um, it still made a door movie, sound. It made a door sound. <laughs> Fully functional. There we go, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, Jeff changed it quickly. So, so players, yeah, started putting the the diary under the pillow, and we felt like that that's a good compromise between the characters' wants mm. and needs and the players' wants and needs. Mm. There was always a kind of a, a it was like a tightrope walk um, to to figure out the like showing the character's needs and still letting the player um, express themselves. Mm. There was always this balance. And it was, it's really interesting because like it was something that a couple of uh, like publishers and investors actually brought up as like, uh, and, and they were smart, like they were correct. This was a point of contention of like, how do we uh, balance this, uh, the player expression with um, telling our, a story ourselves? Isn't yeah. that going to get frustrating? And it could have, but somehow it ended up actually being better for that balance mm. um, because players both got to experience a specific story, but also got to put project a lot of themselves into it. Yeah, 
think we we knew early on that if it was going to work, we needed to make the player like live in the shoes of this of the character because mm. there's this kind of uh, it's very easy in the first level, for instance, to be like I'm unpacking my room, my stuff is going where I want it to go. Yeah. But there's supposed to be enough uh, clues. You're going like okay, like uh, we've got a dreidel, so okay, this is a, a this character is Jewish. Uh, there's enough kind of hints. Uh, more on the second level, honestly, than the first level. But this is this is a girl. Like we're not. This isn't you. You don't get to like customize mm. this game. Yeah. You get to empathize. You get to see all the connections. You might go like, I had a tam- Tamagotchi. I had a Game Boy. But it's like it's not it's not a simulator for you. It's you're in someone else's life. Yeah. And we knew that if we didn't make that connection, we wouldn't be able to do the storytelling. Like mm-hmm. we didn't want to make a generic simulator. Yes. We wanted right. to make a story vehicle. And and kind of walking that line was like. We always thought this is if we can pull this off, it'll work, and if we don't, it, it'll it'll go to pieces. Yeah. Well, Tim, you've spoken to me about the elegance of the game, and you know um, how it's it's a big drive for you, and I, and I think that's just a fantastic way to describe where you ended up, and some very clever decisions like maintaining some type of a limited expression space while still directing the player towards what the character would do. Sounds like some great solutions. Interestingly, one of your um, big moments was that tweet, the first ever tweet, right? Am I yes. correct? From the account at all? It, or just like the retweeted. first gift? No, it was the first tweet from that account that wasn't a retweet of us, of, our personal yeah, accounts. Okay. Like we, uh, when we first made this account, we just, we didn't do anything for a bit. And then we just retweeted things that we had posted about it ourselves without any comment or anything, just retweets. And then it was, so this was the first legit like tweet that this account made. And it was a GIF. And we'd been like thinking of doing it for a while. Like we had come back from Sweden. It was, yeah, really not long after we'd come back from Sweden. We were about to do uh, a show. And yeah, we did a show in Brisbane like two days after we got back. We were so jet lagged. It was a terrible idea, but it's one of the fun. One of the local meetups? Uh, Go 43. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a yearly one. So we we had signed up while we were in Sweden. And so we were like, well, we got to do this, even though it's two days after we get back. Oh, God. Like, Thanks, past Tim and Ren. Yeah, yeah like we, there's a whole story there, but I think yeah. let's not get into it, Tim. <laughs> no, yeah. I could see he was about to. Uh, yeah, let's so, not get into it. It's too, too off topic. But, uh, yeah, we, we did that show. And, like, I think a couple of days later we were like, oh, hey, um, Tim, didn't, didn't you mean to do that GIF, like to, to make a GIF to post on the on the Twitter? And you're like, oh, yeah, sure. And you, like, put together something really quickly. Like you just... You know, put some items on some shelves and then just... So, yeah, I recorded myself doing a complete unpack of the kitchen and then sped it up crazily so that mm-hmm. we could, you know, smash Get it into down. Get into gift size, yeah. yeah. But I love that you, you know, later I asked you about it and you were like, I wasn't really thinking too too closely about where I put things. And that ended up being a, a real point of contention because Tim put the microwave really, really high up. And so the responses <laughs> that we got to the gift were like... You know, 90% is like people really loved it. And then like uh, some 10%. people who were like, I really hate this because um, they're like a game about unpacking. Yeah. What will they think of next? <laughs> Doing dishes. Um, yeah, you're and, lucky someone didn't tag the FBI or something like that. <laughs> and then someone else. And, and then like the, the last category of people was like, what kind of a monster would put the microwave that high up? I'm like, well, a very tall You're monster. You're like my partner. That's <laughs> I just put the microwave Tim height. I don't yeah, know where he can reach. He's he's a whole foot taller than me. So. Yeah, right. Um, so it blew up, right? This tweet blew up, and it also found its way everywhere else. Reddit, 
like some of the gift sites, all this sort of stuff. It just mm. went absolutely wild. Walkers sort of, and also because this was, what year was this? This was quite a time before you actually released the game. This was so, 2018. So this was the like same year that we ago. came up with it. Mm. Um, it was right after Stugan and yeah, less than half a year after we, yeah, about half a year after were we Were you kind of like, no, not yet. Don't get excited. Yeah, we like, were everyone, like, like Don't get excited yet. We were just like, what the heck? Um, <laughs> but it, and it was it was really funny. I think my phone was also like being repaired the day that it was like blowing up with messages. And I'm like, oh, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, it was it was absolutely insane. The, the unpacking account quickly ended up with more followers than I saw Android Cactus, which was kind of both like, like in, in two days. Yeah, yeah, both like it's like one tweet. And it's like ah, my entire three years of like oh. spruiking a game. <laughs> And then you unpack one kitchen and there it is. Three years of indie marketing done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, I thought we were fairly decent at the Cactus uh, <laughs> Twitter stuff. But. Yeah, so, so that really went off. It really took off. But the thing is, this was a side project. This yeah. was going to be just me and Tim doing a little hobby thing on the side. He was doing prototypes for potential. Well, I, was, I was porting uh, the Switch. True, you were porting the Switch, <laughs> but you were also um, working on a lot of prototypes like mm -hmm. and trying to decide what which Beam's next project will be once you're done with the Switch port. And I was like, well, I'm going to get back to freelance soon. And when we were coming back from Sweden, actually, like, I still remember this, uh, we were having talks about, like, what should I do with my career when we get back? And we were talking about, like, moving overseas potentially because I was like, I don't feel like I have anything in Brisbane. And Tim felt like he wanted to, you know, if, if he was going to move away from Brisbane, that he would want to go somewhere bigger, mm -hmm. like, like the More US or Canada or, or, yeah. or Europe. And so we were actually talking about it pretty seriously. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I, I basically thought I'm going to find some kind of job and do that. And unpacking would be the side project. And then the game took off. Mm -hmm. um, and we had suddenly publishers in our DMs. <laughs> sliding into your DMs. Like the creeps they are when a gift goes off. So yeah. like, hey, I saw that gift. <laughs> yeah, like like legit like three publishers in in that one one or two days. Yeah, wow. And we were like, wow, okay, I guess this is real. And mm -hmm. and also at the same time, um, when we were at that uh, Go Forty Three, the the local show, mm -hmm. um, we ran into a representative from um, Screen Queensland. Mm -hmm. Who, who was there and was like, hey, have you thought of submitting this to like our, our grants program? And we were like, oh, uh, okay, uh, when when's that due? And it's like 10 days. It's like, <laughs> okay, so I worked full time for a week on, on this application. Yeah. Um, and we we got like some some state funding. We were like, a, yeah, nice, nice chunk of money that That's gave great. us enough to like hire uh, an artist for one year. Basically. Right. Okay. Yeah, so we're like, and I guess this is a real game now. Was it, and at this point, was it officially a Witchbeam game or was it still a side? When did, when did that happen? When did the conversation happen about like, all right, well, let's make this Witchbeam's next game? Yeah. At so that point, right? Yeah. That also, yeah, it was, the, it was the funding, I think, that kind of made it like, okay, mm -hmm. we should do this. Because up to that point, we had like, it was like uh, a Tim and Ren game kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah, it was I like remember. a Tim and Ren and Jeff game. It's like, this is starting to get a bit long. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then it was like, um, and obviously for a funding funding thing, it's so much you, like it need, you need a company involved. Mm -hmm. And so so the choice at that point was that we're either going to set up a, a new company to like handle unpacking. Right, to be or, eligible for the funding, they needed to fund yeah. a company, not just Tim and Ren. Gotcha. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And just, cut, just, just hand us the ca a cash in an alleyway. <laughs> it's fine. Come along. It's a lot, yeah. lot easier to um, do that with an existing company than yeah. Yeah. being like, well, let's set up a new company this week. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and yeah, that was an option, obviously, like a lot of some, you know, like a lot of games do that where you kind of encapsulate the game mm -hmm. in a company and, and stuff like that. But to me, it made most sense to bring it under Witchbeam because not mm -hmm. only would we have to use the structure that already existed and the connections we already had, but like that's the point, right? Like Witchbeam should enable projects and mm -hmm. cool stuff. Um, and so, like, yeah, obviously discussed it with all the all the founders and yeah. two of us were already working on the game directly so <laughs> it was an easy sell but no not you're already you casually dating nuts. already right nuts always been extremely supportive <laughs> and uh, of unpacking and like kind of believed in it more than we did which is kind of funny. he actually did yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah and so <laughs> he saw the success before you did yeah right? yeah he was kind of like oh this is going to do really well and we're like oh i like your confidence but okay <laughs> um but uh, yeah and so so it just and the funding thing was what cinched it it was like okay we need it you know obviously it needs to be under a company structure i think it should be a witch beam game so at this point now it's a witch beam game you've got publishers in your dms you've got some funding from screen queensland is that there mm, yeah. and we've got like I, I don't know, like 12,000 followers all of a sudden. Yeah, right. Yeah. So now there's now it actually has to happen as well. What's, what's the sort of, what's in the next big milestone for you? Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's like, oh, so the game looks finished, right? What's, <laughs> yeah. And you've got all the things. Release it. What's, Let's go. Yeah, what's yeah. left? And it's like, oh, you know, three years. Yeah. Three years of development are left. Did you know, because it's a classic thing, right? Like no indie knows how long their game is really going to take. I don't, probably all AAA studios too, but how long did you think you had to go at that point? A year and a half. Yeah, classic. It's always yeah. double, half. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, this was, and this was after me going like, you know, whatever, whatever, how long of you think it is, you have to double it because that's, mm. uh, that's it, how it, it works. wasn't. It wasn't just you. I was yeah. also reading like the. Uh, I, I had just read the um, uh, indie uh, game dev uh, handbook. The business yeah, handbook. book. The, the, yeah, indie. I forgot the name. The, indie the, business. The game dev like business, dev business handbook yes. or something. Yeah. Game dev business handbook. That's the one. Sorry. Mm -hmm. um, apologies to Mike. <laughs> to Mike. <laughs> to the Mikes. You know, a great book. Fantastic. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. yeah. And so like. So you're ready to go. You're ready to start. Yeah. This I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I know how dangerous it is to underestimate. I'm going to estimate it like as, as well as I can and like double and whatever. And like, I'd also gotten that advice, like at half break from like Luke Muscat and stuff. Like I, I was like, I'm ready. I know how to do this. And yeah. it's like, no, still severely underestimated. So let's jump forward a bit in time. So what point did you sort of reach an alpha or a beta? And I think what point as well, because I'm sure it happened, right? Did you realize, whoa, there's too much game here. Were you working too much? Did you, you know, how did you sort of reconcile the amount of time it was taking and where did that sort of sink in? Yeah, so, so we had, an, the alpha is an interesting one because uh, at, at this, you know, once we were in full development, we, we had uh, we had decided to uh, publish with um, Humble Games. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so we were working with Humble and, you know, they, they want, obviously they wanted our production uh, schedule and yep. kind of we're checking in on us and kind of and this kind of stuff and we had this this alpha deadline that was like you know that was coming set. up yeah there was this alpha target that was set and 
And as we approached it and realized that we weren't going to meet it, we were doing the responsible thing and being like, we're not going to meet this. We need to push it out. Mm. And it was kind of, it was kind of weird because you kind of, it feels like you're telling them that your homework's not going to be done in time. It's <laughs> like, you know, um, but like, but hey, FYI, it's not going to happen. We're going to kind of move this out. Uh, and we, we had this, yeah, we kind of went through a bit of a dark period where it was we, really stressing us out. Yeah. And deadlines. we were like, we were like kind of crunching where we were just working too hard, you know, to try to hit this, oh no, we've already had to move the alpha a couple of times and it really it hurts every time we have to mm. like, you know, bring it up. And we, and we kind of had this, this realization that actually, why is, why is it important that the alpha date is here? Like mm. it's actually a really meaningless, arbitrary date that we set well in advance as like a vague target. Mm -hmm. um, we weren't like even close to like running out of money or like, you know, the, the current timeline that we had wasn't like, this is all the runway we have. Yeah. We actually had more runway than, than this. And so we were like, why, why are we setting this arbitrary deadline that's really stressing us out? Why not just say alpha is done when the set of features is done. Alpha yeah. is a set of features, not a like time deadline. Yeah. yeah. And this was a huge kind of paradigm shift for us actually, because like, because we're getting stuff from Humble who are like trying to help manage the project, right? And it's kind of like, get, get back a bit. Um, and they're like, can you cut some features? You're going to have to like manage scope. And we're looking at that and like the game is, the game is very carefully crafted, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything is, is holding everything else up. There's nothing mm. you can just kind of lob out to save time. Like, yeah, yeah. The thing is like the scope never changed. It was like, maybe things got a little bit uh, more detailed at, at, at most, but like it was always the same number of levels, the same kind of, yeah, mm -hmm. the same scope. And finally, yeah, we were like, you know what? There's nothing we want to cut. And there's no reason that we can't move our timeline. Like, really, it's just because it feels bad to move the timeline. Yeah. So let's move the timeline. Let's say this is done when it's done. And after that, you know, we and we know there's marketing considerations. We know that, like, you know, eventually they need to have, like, solid dates so that they can plan things in advance. And so we didn't want to leave them hanging forever. But we were like, once we're approaching alpha, we can give you an exact date for alpha. And we can give you all of the dates beyond that Great. at that point. And I imagine them trying to assist with management and things like this is also out of concern for you hitting this deadline, which you've both agreed for and your own health and everything too. And Absolutely. so it seems like natural advice to say, well, hey, if we are going to hit this date, let's, and you're working this hard, let's remove some features or do those things. Yeah. And it's, and like, it was part of a consideration for our runway as well. Like, mm. you know, the, the amount of money we have left to, to beyond burn. Alpha, right? Yeah. yeah. And in, in our case, it was actually kind of funny. Our runway got longer because, uh, remember I was doing the, uh, saw Android cactus switch port. And while it wasn't a, a smash hit on switch, we were earning money that wasn't accounted for in the original kind of budget. So yep. like our runway was kind of creeping out a bit and I was like, okay, this is, this is good. This is a, you know, cause I didn't account for that. Cause I'm at, you know, like, it's yep. a, yeah. And, um, but the funny thing was that when we, like Ren said, like once we realized that our alpha was a set of features, not a date, mm -hmm. it like helped us. We got faster and we got like healthier and we got. Yeah. Isn't that amazing how that yeah. works, right? Yeah, by taking off that sense of like that this 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 pressure for this fixed date, we actually worked pretty efficiently and didn't go that much over what we. Yeah, were. we we ended up like finishing it. But once we were like, okay, we're we're getting close. We said we'll be done in like two weeks or something. 
or in one, no, I think it was like one month. We'll, we'll be done in one month. And we were done in one month. And we were like, all right, beta will be, this time we can give you a set date. Mm -hmm. And we gave them a set date. And this will be when release will be. And I think it only moved by two weeks from there. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Much more knowns, I guess, at that point in the yeah. project too. So, and whilst this is all going on, all of this stuff, you also have this game out there in the wild in regards to everyone knowing about it. It's gone viral. Um, am I correct in saying Vic Tran also came and helped out with community management? Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so that was all very interesting. So, yeah. Tim, were you telling this story to? No, no, no. I just, I, you okay. know, I'd done my research. Okay. Because. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because you were saying how uh, we tend to hire people by like asking them how to hire people, and then they're like, "Can we do it?" Yeah, that happened with Victoria. <laughs> right. So Victoria's a uh, community lead at Innisloth, um, so Among Us and stuff like that, and then also Kit Fox Games before that. And mm. so during this period, she's helping out. So with... she joined in. Um, I think it was, it was quite late. It was uh, so we were on our doing this on our own, doing all the community and and social stuff until I think it was June something like that it was until until uh right around e3 mm. and then of, of 2021 mm -hmm. so victoria helped us with the very very important final push like right. the, our last uh like six months of of 2021 our the game released in november so she like stuck around for about a month after that um and yeah she uh put together our discord like working for us one day a week on the side while doing Among Us. Like, I don't know how Victoria does anything she does. She's amazing. <laughs> she probably feels the same way about the two of you as well, I'm sure. But yeah, it's incredibly a, impressive. It's amazing working with her. So the interesting thing about that, though, is that she's come on six months later. The thing I'm interested in is how do you maintain, how did you maintain the interest for this game? Did it just happen? <laughs> Was it just, all right, Tim, it's time. Just do another GIF and put something in a controversial position and let's, let's go. Let's keep them interested. So, so we kind of came up with a whole strategy for that. Mm. Right. The, the, way, the way I thought about it is in, you need a heartbeat. Mm. Like we can't we can't exactly. pump out content because it takes so long to make. <laughs> so we just can't we can't keep releasing new stuff. So we have to really pace ourselves, mm -hmm. but know that we're going to have to do this like month on month. You know, like ideally post maybe one or two things like. Yeah. Once a week, once every two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, the interesting thing with unpacking as well is that it's a very, very dense game. Like mm. it's small and very full of content. Yeah. Um, so you can show a screenshot of one room and spoil an entire level. <laughs> right, of course, yeah. And, and so we're like, how do we show content from this without like going, well, here, that's like several months of work wasted mm -hmm. in this one screenshot. Like now, how do we have another screenshot for next week? Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a tough balance. So we like came up with all kinds of ideas like um, zooming in on specific sections or like taking, say, art assets like uh, various items and putting them in a little diorama on like a little background that mm -hmm. backing that we made for Gotcha. Them. Yeah. yeah, things like that. Um, also, the um, the toilet roll one was I think, yeah, my favorite yeah. gift. So, so this that is, was teamwork. Yeah. This is like <laughs> I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of like you kind of experiment, right? Like yeah. you, you throw things at the wall and see what sticks. Mm -hmm. And also, like I think the way well, I used to describe it was that you want to post something that kind of outrages people a little bit, right? <laughs> you, to to engage them, it's it's, yeah. it's, it's a, you want to provoke. Provoke them. I one one gift that Tim made that I really liked was like, uh, good news, everyone. Now you can do this. And it was when we introduced four-way rotation for items because up mm -hmm. until then they only just flipped uh, okay, one yeah. way. And so he took 
a uh, a fork and opened the cutlery drawer and put Please. it in backwards <laughs> no, no, and then closed it. Specifically, I opened the 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 cutlery drawer. Everything was aligned correctly. I picked up the fork, rotated it backwards, put it back down, and closed. Good news! Now you can do this. Yeah. yeah. So that's great. the that's Tim's posting style. It's good. Um, the the um. Toilet rolls, I'm going to take credit. I was like, we yeah, need expi to do... Explain what the toilet roll is for, okay. for folks who don't know. So um, this is at the start of the pandemic and the <laughs> toilet roll buying panic was uh, at peak. Uh, and I was like, Tim, we need to do something with unpacking with the toilet rolls. Like just have a room, a room full of pictures. Like, there's full of toilet rolls all over the place and be like just coming back from the shops, you know. <laughs> uh, and Tim was like, maybe we can make it a GIF. And I was like, oh, genius. So we... Made yeah, I, I made this gift. It it took a bit more work than it looks because um, we, you always run into bugs at the weirdest times. <laughs> so it turned out like certain items just refused. I, I had to Kept repack. Trying to the sneak back into the box. Yeah, I have to, I had to repack the boxes. Like real unpacking as well. Yeah, yeah. I had to repack the boxes in order to make the gift, mm -hmm. and um, they had like a few random items packed in them from other rooms, mm -hmm. and so I, I kept taking out these toilet rolls, and then suddenly a bra would pop out, and I'm like, no. Stop! And Tim would fix it, and then it would still happen. I'm like, Tim, why does this bra keep coming back? <laughs> so yeah, this gift took a while to make, but it was it was good and uh, it did well. Amazing. And so, how did you go then? Now that you you know you changed that the, the sort of the paradigm shift of how did you go coming up to launch? How how hard was it to get this game out the door? Because like you say, it's a small game, and you're also a very experienced team. Like all of you got like a decade plus or something like that in some of you in AAA and things like that, and making this this small quote unquote little indie game. But it's very very dense. I mean, did the bra keep popping back up? How hard were you working <laughs> towards the end there? So that that one was actually an interesting uh, an interesting bug to do with like items that were packed from other rooms but in a different box so you could kind of say like uh, this item yeah. and it's assigned to a box in another room and the way the linking worked my system was like kind of getting confused and trying to repair that linking mm -hmm. under the hood so it was actually like this kind of really squirrely bug that it was kind of <laughs> manifesting with the toilet paper stuff so it's like <laughs> development's fun but uh funnily enough i think the biggest experience came from like um for me at least was from cactus because like working in a studio you have so many hands, everyone's handling things, like yeah, bugs get squashed down as a whole team kind of mm -hmm. thing. And on Cactus, like every everything hit us. Like, you know, if it was, hey, we've put this into submission and Nintendo says that this button isn't the right, it's on me. I have to go you change to the button it, yeah. graphic and then I have to do the new build and I have to upload it to the dev portal and stuff. And it's like, um, and so that, that really, that, for me at least, gave me a, a really good insight of the kind of things that could go wrong, like mm -hmm. the category of errors that I was looking for. Because you know, the error, the, the problems that you've seen before, you're going, not going to do that again, but you're going to run into something entirely new, yeah. but in the same space, right? Like you kind of... You'd already shipped a game on multiple platforms. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you, you'd like, like, you'd ship some, like the, like I was thinking of the, the, the um, super jump... Uh, oh. Hmm. So you had some so you had some experience I had shipping, some, but not not heaps. Um, I think the hardest part for me was uh, 
the the big slog in the middle like oh, not right, okay. not the beginning not approaching the end those like because in the beginning it's still exciting and new and mm -hmm. everything is yeah happening and you're coming up with ideas in the end you can see the light at the end of the tunnel you know what you're doing you just got the list of things the bugs the it, remaining it's like tasks. starting yeah. to get smaller mm -hmm. finally yeah. but in the middle it's just a slog you can't see the light on either side you're just like in the thick of it and it looks like it will never end and you will work on this project forever <laughs> and we it, it was funny because we set out to make this very specific game um we had like seven of our eight levels planned from like the first week um you know we obviously like elaborated on them yeah, of but, course. but it was like we we had this set of features we had the design like really nailed it wasn't um we, we strayed very little from our path but then we still took three more years to make it mm. it was just content takes forever and especially when you're a small team so it, you know, most of the time it was just on art. It was me and Angus, and mainly like I was, I was mainly doing art direction, and art was doing uh, Angus was doing the art, hmm. um, and I was doing like all the level design as well. Like I packed every box in the game myself. I uh, drew every room, like first pass. Mm -hmm. Like it, there was there was just so much, and so yeah, by it was just all. Like Tim, Tim had like this mantra of like one foot in front of the other yeah. that I adopted and felt like it was really, really helping me. Just like definitely like my experience with a bit of project management, both from um, Well Placed Cactus and from uh, even when I was at Half Brick, mm -hmm. I kind of picked up some things because we had a team that worked really, really well and yep. had like really good production kind of uh, uh, habits. Yep. So uh, I also was the producer for our team <laughs> and we we had sprints um and milestones and so we just broke things down into like okay this three month period this two week period and then every single day we had we had like i, I was really grateful to have a team that was all local mm. and um that we were working like full-time together pretty much um so every single morning we'd have stand up and go through you know what you did yesterday what, what are you doing today? Are you blocked on anything and all that? And it really helped keep things on track and helped keep um, me feeling like uh, I'm held accountable mm -hmm. as, as an employee, yeah. <laughs> um, even when I'm like running things. Um, and it just helped keep kind of a steady pace um, and, and helped feel like we were part of a team, even though we were all working remotely. Mm -hmm. um, and so just chipped away at it like this and for... Then at some Years. point, the clouds part and you can see the summit of the mountain and yeah. Exactly. Okay. So something else that's quite impressive is the amount of like nomina nominations and also awards already that you've won. Game of the Year. I mean, you beat out what Halo Infinite for Game of the Year over at Eurogamer, um, which is... <laughs> that was wild. Yeah, which is amazing. That was uh, really funny. <laughs> it, it became a running joke how many... Um, uh, once we've been on with uh, Forza, Mo uh, Forza yeah, 5. Yeah, Forza Horizon 5. <laughs> yeah. they, uh, are, they are our rivals now. They keep now. showing up on the same game lists, like <laughs> one or two uh, indexes above or below us. And, and yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, these games are totally similar. Scope, <laughs> team size, budget. You should do like a like a collaboration, Topic. like a, a car detailing collaboration yeah, yeah. or something. It's our contemporary, uh, Forza yes. Horizons, yeah. Uh, but you are nominated for an IGF Excellence in Narrative, I believe. You're also nominated for a BAFTA in Narrative. Am I right in saying yes. that? Uh, 
and and the GDCA. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Okay, also so. But it is quite, as I've already said, it is quite impressive what this game manages to do from a narrative standpoint. And so, for yourself, Ren, what is what do you think about the future of narrative in video games and what this game is saying is it's clearly a very personal game for you as well. Um, you can just see that from actually playing the game and experiencing it. Just tell us a little bit about what you would love to see from narrative in the future. Mm, well, I think games are a really, really interesting medium that can do a lot of things that other mediums can't. Like each medium has its strengths. And I think that, yeah, a lot of, games try to do film in the game and it's like that's not what games are good at games are experiential you you experience things through them so why not use that to your advantage and especially indies like we don't excel at like doing fancy cutscenes and like things that require a high budget or a large team just do the things that that games are good at like that that the medium allows and also just like try to do something um, inspired by something outside of games. Like I think that's that's something I want to see more of. Like I think that it's always very clear when games draw inspiration from games. other places. <laughs> yeah, from games versus other places in life. Mm. So I think the more we like reach outside of our regular domain and the more like different voices that we hear in games, like the more... Um, interesting narratives that we'll, we'll come up with for games. Yeah, absolutely. And Tim, we've spoken as well about your love for the elegance of unpacking. And it is something that's incredibly apparent when you play it. Like you say, it's a, it's a small title, but it's very dense and it does feel like everything is a sum of its parts, that there is almost no craft to the game. What, what was the most important aspect of that for you? And were you, were you watching that throughout the piece? Was there cut? It sounds like you knew exactly what the game was from the start, but what were the things that sort of crept in and what were the things that you, that you cut sort of moving through the game? And those decisions of like, this is a gamey thing, like the sticker collection, you know, but it fits, it works. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think there was this kind of feeling of like, yeah, less is more. So everything, everything that went into the game had to really have a reason for being there. And that was kind of the, the number one thing. And part of that was just because like things are expensive, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, in my in animation, if you can just not use an animation, then you've made the game better because the animations that are in the game are going to get more love, and you know you can balance them better. And it's the same principle where like everything we do in the game is in in unpacking is there for a, a reason. Um, every item is an opportunity to to to, to tell something. It's like mm -hmm. <laughs> it almost sounds like a bit of a joke where you're going. Like, oh, you put a spatula in the game. Why is there a spatula in the game? It's a kitchen. But why this spatula? Is it a new spatula? Did she, she buy it new? Is it a used spatula? Did she get it from her parents? Did she take it with her when she moved? Like, like there's an opportunity there, and you mm. might as well make use of it because you have to make it anyway. So, so <laughs> everything becomes, like, multi-layered. Multi yeah. Is it a fancy it spatula? Mm. Is it a cheap plastic yeah. one? Is it her favorite color? It's like use yeah. all the parts of the animal, right? It's that old. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's like a good way of putting it. It's like, um, and you know, I, I like to think that Cactus did something similar as well. It was very like there was no uh, kind of design in that that was just like for the sake of it. Everything had a function. Every color choice was kind of aligned to like you know 
Yellow means player damage. Red means can damage both enemies and mm. players, and that kind of like it was color coded. It was visually signposted. Everything had a every enemy type had a different locomotion type to 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 like get that level of uh, uh, silhouette identity. Mm -hmm. And then you just transfer that to taking things out of boxes, and you go like everything should have a purpose and a, and a function, right? Well, that's the thing I said at the start. You know, they're very, very, very different games, but I can see sort of interestingly, though even though it may have started with, you know, the two of you in your room and then taking it to um, Witchbeam, you can see the lineage there in regards to like the type of decision-making or game-making philosophy that you all have there. So what is, what is next? What, I mean, you've had this fantastic success. I mean, I guess next is just going to be collecting all of your awards that you're going to win. No, <laughs> oh, um, you're up against some fantastic competition as well. So um, Yeah, we're up against inscription yeah. think, in every single category of IGF. It's like no pressure. Yeah. So yeah, you, inscription, Forza, all the rest. But like obviously you've got a little bit of, you know, that going on. Um, what, what else can you tell us? So how much is unpacking? How much is taking a break? Do you have ideas for new games? Hmm. So What's we've next? Still been on on unpacking up until now mm. where I think things are starting to wrap up yep. but um yeah right now is is the awards we're going after this we're going to the BAFTAs um <laughs> the uh, world tour yeah um after that it's like we're gonna actually go back to Australia go to Melbourne for a little trip and then come back uh to the UK for uh, like a conference uh, sorry a convention that we got invited to so we're doing that and then got invited to something else in another country. So I've, we're booked till to August. <laughs> yeah. End of August. Right. Okay. So after that, uh, for me, mm -hmm. I actually don't know yet. Yeah. I, I have wanted to take a break since we finished. Mm -hmm. So far it has not been possible. <laughs> but, you know, it's like we're doing really fun stuff. I absolutely cannot complain. Yeah, of course. It's all fun and it's interesting, but also like we're really burnt out. Yeah, a break <laughs> sounds like a good idea. Yeah, I am like done for a little while. I want to recover. Yeah. And once I do, well, we'll see. And I mean, what your last your last game idea came from being on a break as well, right? Exactly. So, so it's like it's a healthy, healthy and, time. And the interesting thing is, like, um, so Ren Ren like worked with uh, Witchbeam to like make the game. She's the she's the IP owner, you know, in a in, a, mm -hmm. in the kind of uh, thing sense. So it's kind of a collaboration. Mm -hmm. uh, but it means it means that Ren gets to kind of like uh, yeah. You got a lot of freedom there. Right? Yeah, that's it. Oh, she yeah. can just jettison her boat from the dock and like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it, it was fantastic to work with Witchbeam and like with Tim especially. Mm -hmm. It was like this was an amazing experience. Yeah. Let's just make you know, it's really cute. We're a couple, let's make a little game together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it turned into this monster, but like it so was so amazing. It was so much fun. And the relationship it sounds like it thrived, <laughs> not just yeah, survived as well. It it's it worked out. Like I had some reservations before, you know, I was I was a little nervous. I've heard Tales, but like it actually went fine. Do you have any tips for making a game with your partner? Tread carefully. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Seriously, it was is, that to me or to, was that just, the advice? Just, just to everyone. No, no, no. That's 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 the advice. No, it's uh, like honestly, it's it's a lot because it you realize that it aligns a lot of things because normally if you have a stressful day working on a problem, you can come home and be like, oh, I had this stressful day. And instead it's like, I had this stressful day. And it's like, I know I was there. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Like yeah. we both had the same thing happen <laughs> yeah. to us. Yeah. And it means that like it kind of, yeah, it blends things together. And it's like, that's, that's, that's a, that's, you know, a risk. It puts, mm. a, it puts pressure on things. And it's yeah. like, so yeah. I would, I would say my advice is like what we did at the start where we wrote up a contract, like to be safe. We wrote like, 
wrote up a pretty serious contract of like what happens in any case yeah. that like right. really protects both of us and the project. So like in case we, we were like, we, we had to think about situations where that we really didn't want to think about, yeah. you know, like we'd only been dating for a year and a half and we, or, or maybe, maybe two years by that point. And we had to think, what if we fought and broke up and things got so bad that we didn't want to ever see each other again, but what we have this then? game that we're working on? What happens then? And we, we had to cover all of these different circumstances in, uh, in, right. in the contract. I mean, and this, and this actually goes for working with friends as well. Like, you know, you should, you, if you're going to start a games project, you should always have, like, a kind of contractual understanding of, like, what who owns what how it's going to go down with the eye of like what happens if you do suddenly get into mm -hmm. fist fights in the office like <laughs> does the ip just become like nebulously owned by no one that's a bad idea yeah and, and, and it sucks right to think about and this and yeah. i would say like the, the the thing is you know some people might think like oh this is like uh like don't you guys love each other enough that this won't happen like like if you think well, you love, love each protect other protect everything right yeah, yeah but, but it's like some people think ah oh, you know like we get along everything will be fine because we're friends it's fine it's like no because you're friends it's not fine because mm. you love each other you will do this you will protect yourselves and each other by having this contract because you don't know what the future holds well on that note <laughs> uh considering that tomorrow night is the igfs best of luck for the igfs the gdcas the baftas whatever else you're up against forts or an inscription everything in <laughs> and you both should be incredibly proud i know as a fellow australian that i'm incredibly proud of you it's been amazing watching this journey thank you so much for joining us today on game makers notebook Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for joining us for the Game Maker's Notebook. For more information on the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences, our podcasts, and our other initiatives, please visit www.interactive.org.